If you're a pop culture junkie who loves TV, film, music, comedy, and other really important stuff, then you've come to the right place. Get ready and settle in for Classic Conversations, the best pop culture interviews in the world. That's right, we circled the globe so you don't have to. If you're ready to be the king of the water cooler, then you're ready for Classic Conversations with your host, Jeff Dwoskin. All right, Margo, thank you so much for that amazing introduction. You get the show going each and every week, and this week was no exception. Welcome, everybody, to episode 137 of Classic Conversations. As always, I am your host, Jeff Dwoskin, bringing you the classicest of conversations in the world. If you're looking for classic, you've come to the right place. We've got a super special episode for you today. Oh my God, super, superman. That's right. A couple of weeks ago, I had the pleasure, the opportunity, nay, the honor of attending a press event for the Motor City Comic Convention. Hours before the convention even opened their doors, and I got to meet with a ton of Superman legacy actors. It was quite a joy. It really was. I know I've been teasing this episode for a while, but here it is. We're here. Cue the music. Actually, sorry, I don't have the rights to the music, but play the Superman music in your head if you if you can. It will help throughout this entire episode. I just, I couldn't afford it. It was, I tried. I made calls. I had my people call people, and then I realized, wait a minute, I don't have people. All right, so this episode is a little different than other episodes of the podcast. It is interviews, but it's a bunch of interviews, shorter interviews, and then one longer one with Jeff East. Jeff East wasn't at the Motor City Comic Con, Christopher Reeve Foundation event, but I had interviewed Jeff East. He was young Clark Kent in Superman. A while ago, for some reason, had not released it. But here we are. What better place to put it? I'm talking to baby Clark Kent, Aaron Smolinski, and then Jeff East, young Clark Kent. You get like so many Clark Kents in this episode. It's, uh, I believe, considered one of the most Clark Kent-filled episodes of any podcast ever. So you're part of history. Tell your friends. So you're going to hear a bunch of short interviews, three, four minutes, as I made my way to talk to... Aaron Smolinski, who was Baby Clark Kent, Mark McClure, Jimmy Olsen, Jack O'Halloran, Nan, Sarah Douglas, Ursula, Mariel Hemingway from Superman 4. I did talk to Mark Pillow, who was Nuclear Man in Superman 4, but unfortunately the audio didn't work. We didn't test it, and he was the first person I talked to. Ah, but he was super cool. We actually had a really good conversation. I'm sorry I can't share that with you. And then I also talked to Wilfredo Torres and Robert Vendetti, who are the writer and artist for the Superman 78 comic. The one thing to kind of keep in mind, there's a lot of background noise in those interviews because I was actually on the floor the Motor City Comic Con. So you can hear some of the buzz of other stuff going on. So, but that was super fun. And then the Jeff East interview is about a 20 minute interview where he talks about his experiences getting into acting and a lot about his experiences with Superman, which is a fascinating story, actually. So all that superness is coming up in just a few minutes. If you're like, Jeff, I need even more Superman in my life. Where can I get more Superman? Well, you're in luck. Episode 51 of the podcast is a full interview with Jack O'Halloran. Jack talks a lot about Superman and his family, which is a fascinating story. If you haven't heard episode 51 with Jack O'Halloran, you're doing yourself a disservice, and you need to go fix that and go listen to Jack right now. Well, not right now, after this episode. And then also episode 119 with Roy Schwartz, author of is Superman circumcised? Roy dives into a lot of the history of Superman and the creation of the character itself. So those are two more great resources for you to check out if you need even more Superman. I do want to thank everyone for taking the time to support our sponsors. When you support our sponsors, you're supporting us here at Classic Conversations, and that's how we keep the lights on. Hey, you know, I, I do want to thank everyone. I love all the support I get week after week. The notes, the DMs, amazing. I am when I can. I love using this moment to share 
and spotlight some cool stuff that my friends are doing. Doug Cohen has this cool new company called Virtual Petcations. You can send your pet on vacation. I mean, if you love your cat, your dog, your llama, llama, whatever, no one's judging. They deserve the best, right? Because you love them so much. And you want to send them on vacation. They're always bothering you to take them to Disney World, but it's so expensive. Well, Virtual Petcations solves everything. You just actually just send pictures of your pet to Doug and they'll just Photoshop your pet into cool vacation photos. They'll even create a whole travel blog for you so you can brag to all your friends and your pet can brag to all its pet friends all the cool stuff it does. Sure, it's not real, but it's still super cool. Check it out, virtualpetcations.com. This is not a paid ad. I just love Doug and what he's doing and I thought I'd share it with you. Doesn't your pet deserve the best? Yes, it does. Check it out. Virtualpetcations.com. All right. I think it's time to start sharing all this Superman stuff I've been promising you forever. First up, Aaron Smolinski, baby Clark Kent, the first of two Clark Kents in this episode. This is a quick, short interview, part of a press junket, but you're going to enjoy my few moments with Aaron Smolinski. All right. We're here with Aaron Smolinski. You may recognize him as... Well, you probably don't recognize probably don't him. Recognize he was baby, baby, baby Clark Kent, baby Superman, baby Kal-El in the original Superman. How are you? I'm doing fantastic. It's great to be here in Detroit in the Motor City Comic Con, and nice to meet you and everything. So You're all grown up. Can you lift this table up I, over your I head? I could, but I don't want to tip it. You know, I'll get Mark and Jack and Sarah upset with me, and I don't want to get Jack upset. If this was red, you could put this on. And I, yeah, put it right I could. On. I may just have one of these that's red that I brought with me. <laughs> <laughs> the uh, baby, baby Clark Kent cosplay. All right, well, let's not go there. The... Um, was your parents, were they in the industry? How did no, they get you so into the movie biz? I, I, so this part of the movie was filmed in Calgary, Blackie, Alberta, Canada, and I lived in Calgary. And there was a radio ad. We're having this big, you know, audition for this three-year-old. My parents took me down and, you know, they, were, they hired three of us and I was the three-year-old that wasn't a jerk and, and listened and did what I was told. So that's how pretty much it came. And I looked like Chris did when Chris was three. So they took pictures of, of us and pictures of Chris at that age and, and put it up. So that's oh, how, yeah. Oh, there you go. Simple, yeah. So there's been a lot. So you're in the whole legacy of Clark Kent's throughout the years. But all right, so that's really cool. And then you were also, so I know you've been in five Superman yeah. movies. Yeah. Is this by accident or are they like, like the trivial nature of because you were in Superman? A little bit of both. So there was the Superman 1, both Superman 2s, um, and then Superman 3 was filmed in Calgary again. And at that time, I was the kid actor in Calgary doing all the commercials, and so they knew me, and they thought it was a great, you know, kind of segue. So they hired me that, but... And then Man of Steel, I actually reached out to Dick Donner and uh, and said this could be the last Superman movie. It would be cool to be in the first and the last. So he he sent my stuff to Zack Snyder and they wrote me in and yeah. Okay, that's cool. Because so. I imagine you, Mark McClure, wakes up every morning because he's been in seven. Right. And I was like, you check each other's IMDb. Yeah, that's right. right? <laughs> At first, I was like, I was up, you know, five of them. Luckily, I got him five because there were yeah. two Superman twos. But yeah, so he he surpassed me. Yeah, Mark only took the Justice League movies to to best you. Right, but I don't really count that as because that's not really a Superman. But well, live action DC movie. Ah, <laughs> uh, very funny, very funny. So, um, so now you're also Lex Luthor. In a, in, right, you're going to play Lex Luthor. I'm going to play Lex Luthor if that movie ever gets off the ground. But yeah, so that, I mean, that's fantastic. And that'll be, you know, a blast to do that. And I think a lot of people have reached out to me and they said, what a great idea. We can't wait to see that. So, and I love playing the bad guys too. Even though Lex, deep down in his heart, is a good guy. But. And then you were also, were you in, it was a three or four that you were in also? I was in three. Okay, yeah, yeah. With the photo, at the photography booth? At the, at the photo booth. Oh, and that's okay. actually my mom that plays my mom. In Superman 3. Uh, and that's the first time I met Chris. And I, I'll never forget to this day meeting him. And my, I, I was amazed because my hand disappeared when he went into his hand uh, when I shook his hand. And then in, uh, coincidentally, when I met Henry Cavill on Man of Steel, I got the same feeling meeting him that I got when I met Chris. So it was really, I knew Superman was in good hands with Henry when I met him. My daughter was in Superman v. Batman or Batman v. Superman, whichever one. She was in the Day of the Dead scene. She oh. wore the makeup. So my wife went down with them. They filmed that in Detroit. Right. And they were on, and she just like was like, oh, I got to stare at Henry Cavill and the Superman. And he's like leaning against his car and his iPhone in between takes. He's like, uh, and she got to touch the Batmobile. So it was like a real geek moment for someone who didn't deserve it. <laughs> You're like, I want to be the... It's funny, because I remember people like, what was Henry like when you met him? I'm like, I hated him. 
him. They're like, really? I'm like, yeah. Because here you got this chiseled, great-looking guy with these blue eyes, and then he's got a British accent, and he's nice. I'm like, he's got every quality. The the accent puts him over there. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Well, thank you so much. It was my pleasure. Thank you. I appreciate it very much. Absolutely. Oh, fair warning. Every one of those interviews ends with, can I get a picture? Aaron Smolinski, ladies and gentlemen. Let's keep the ball rolling and move right into Jimmy Olsen himself, Mark McClure. I'm here with Mark. Oh, we need a second. I'm here with Mark McClure, Jimmy Olsen. Let's get ready to rumble. What's up? You were like the thread. You're the thread of all the Superman movies and Supergirl. Yes, I was. Yes, I was. That was pretty good. That's pretty good, right? Jimmy was, uh, well, Jimmy, uh, he's pretty identifiable. Yeah. You know what I mean? So when you see him in his bow tie, you go, well, there's Jimmy Olsen. There wasn't too many many characters that kind of had his swag. Right, of all the extra characters. Yeah. Very visually. uh, Yeah, you just see somebody walking by with a bow tie, you kind of say Jimmy Olsen. Right. I don't care who it is. Right. You go, that's a Jimmy Olsen. That guy's trying to be Jimmy Olsen. (laughs) You know, because nobody really does the bow tie. Like nobody Jimmy. does. You nobody rocks a bow tie. Nobody rocks a like bow tie Mark like Mark McClure and Jimmy Olsen. Rocks a bow tie. So, um, okay. So, what, what's your favorite? Do you have a favorite memory, like of Jimmy Olsen, like a scene with Christopher Reeve, or just in any uh, of the, the Superman? Favorite, the, the favorite memory would be when we're up on wires, uh, filming something early on, and Chris asked me to. I was rambling on, you know, and. He asked me to to be in character. He asked me to kind of act like Jimmy. And we're up on the wires. We're like way up there. And he's got his outfit on. And in that moment, I realized, you know, this guy needs me to help him out. And from then on, anytime I was on the set, I would give him Jimmy, you know, because I knew he needed it. And Chris had a lot of responsibility in that film and I'll always remember that moment that you know he kind of taught me how to help him how to get through that project and it was so cool and it was just so cool that we were it was just me and him up there that's so cool that's really cool and and, and, you know you kind of look at him and at the time I probably didn't really appreciate it like I do now but I was up there with Superman on wires, on a stage. I was 20 years old, and it was just all so surreal. It's it just, it's it so just, cool. It was just like a moment that was like, how did I get here? How did I get here? It's so cool. It's so cool. But you were you were in two Freaky Friday movies, the Back to the Future franchise, and it, so you're like I'm a sequel. I mean, you're, if you're, it wasn't for Rambo, I'd probably be the king. I don't know who is the king of sequel. But I got to be up there. You got to be up there, right? Got to be up there. I yeah. mean, I don't know what the numbers. We should find that out. We should, yeah, yeah. And there should be an award, like a five hundred dollar gift certificate to Starbucks or something. How'd you feel about Zack Snyder killing off Jimmy Olsen? It was the well. They never really said it though, but everybody explained <laughs> that that's what it was in the extended version. Never, in the extended version, did they, they say do. Jimmy, look out? Oh, whatever. They make it clear that it's more in the. The version that was in the theater, they correct. They said that this guy's no Jimmy idea. Olsen in the, with in the longer version, yeah. Really? He's like some FBI guy. Who was a, he's, see, he's I, I, you know what? I haven't seen either of the Justice Leagues, and I'm in them. I know. You've been in everything. I was joking with Aaron that you guys wake up in the morning, check each other's IMDb's, and see which one of you has to get into another Superman movie. Sequel. <laughs> yeah. yeah. No, it's, uh, I, I've got to watch them. I haven't seen both of Zach's. I haven't seen either one, and I haven't seen the... Who was the Daniel? Uh, who was the director of the other one that took over? There was another director involved. Oh, um, uh, oh, oh, Josh Whedon. Josh Whedon. Yeah, yeah. And that was all kind of strange. It was yeah, real weird, all bizarre. Yeah. Very cool. I think they wanted to wrap up, but I, I uh, thank you so much. You bet. This is great. No, it was very good, and it's good to be here. And thank you very much for supporting Christopher Reeve Foundation. Uh, you know, we wouldn't be here if it wasn't for Chris. He knocked it out of the park, and in my lifetime, he is the one and only Superman. And I'm hoping that somebody comes along and, you know, takes the baton or takes the cape, but I haven't seen it yet. Well, we'll keep looking. We'll keep looking. Thank you so much. Thank you. Can I get a quick picture? Sure. Oh, I filled up my camera roll. Believe you me. Up next, from Superman 4, the amazing Mariel Hemingway. 
All right, here with Mariel Hemingway. How are you? Yeah, this is exciting. Good. Thank you. So 35 years, Superman 4. Yes. How does it feel? How does it feel? I mean, time goes by so fast, doesn't it? And like, like, what's your fondest memory of the movie? Oh my God, there's so... I loved my... I loved making that movie. We were in England. We went to Pinewood Studios, you know, back in the day. And it was such a... It was such an incredible adventure. So I got to live there for two months. And just being in that atmosphere and working with Gene Hackman. Hello. That was hello. extraordinary. Yeah. And and Chris. Because Chris was a really wonderful and, and deeply kind human being. So it, 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 it was great. It was great. And Mark and I had a blast. We were just talking about it. Uh, you know, it was, it was fun. And seeing... McClure and oh my god it's just all it's awesome you got to, you got to fly around with Superman I got or, no you got to fly with around Super- with Nuclear Man Nuclear dry, Man and Superman and Superman and then you get to crush yeah, on Clark Kent I did yeah. and that's it, you know in the final version you didn't see all the crushing stuff that was going on like there was a lot of flirtation but they had to cut it out because it kind of it was in conflict with the Margo Kidder part of it. <laughs> right, Margo's all about Superman. You're yeah, all about Clark. Sorry, Lois. <laughs> I don't know, the HBO Max one. There's a lot of crushing. There's a lot of. Back oh yeah. And forth. yeah. Oh yeah, cool. Oh, yeah, yeah. I like it. I was when I was watching the movie recently. It's interesting because a lot of the journalistic themes are so relevant today. How crazy is it? It's like it's bizarre. Yeah. You know, we we're back to a Cold War. We're back to like crazy. You know, it's a it's a bit it's a bit bizarre. Yeah, the world is cyclical, so things yeah, come back it, around, right? It, yeah, everything kind of circles <laughs> yeah. around. So, um, I, you know, if you don't mind me asking, can I ask you about a different movie? Absolutely. I had I had Mike Binder on my podcast, and so part of that, I watched The Sex Monster. The funniest movie ever. Amazing. My favorite film that I've ever made was The Sex Monster. And I always say, and it wasn't a porno. <laughs> <laughs> it's not at all. It's not like, at all. He's such a good man. He's so funny. And he's so talented. It is one of the funniest films ever. It was an HBO film, and it's just, it's hilarious. I think he's so good. He's so funny in it. You know, that scene where he comes up here and he's like, yes, yes. And he calls the pizza guy to tell him all about it. Yeah, it's so fun. It's so great. Yeah, I was just so like. Good. It was one of those movies that you know, discover when you're doing research and then watch yeah. it. It was just so great. You were yeah. so funny in yeah. it. So everything. So That's awesome. When people come up to you about Superman 4, though, like what's the one thing they kind of talk to you about or want to... Well, I think, I think people want to know what it was like to work with Christopher, you know, and, and because... And what's great about this Comic-Con is that, you know, it's in support of the Christopher Reeve Foundation, which is awesome. Awesome. You know, because we need to bring attention to those kinds of things. I have a I have a foundation called the Mariel Hemingway Foundation. It was really about mental health. So I get it. I get the need to use kind of entertainment as a way to talk about things that are uncomfortable or that we need that need to be paid attention to. Right. It's important to get those messages Absolutely. out. Absolutely. Well thank you so much. Thank you so much. Can I take a picture real quick? Of course. How jealous are you that I have a picture with Mariel Hemingway? Oh, yes. Yes, I do. It was fun talking about the sex monster with her as well that I watched when I was prepping for my interview with Mike Binder. You can check out the full interview with Mike Binder where we talk about that movie in episode 102 of the podcast. As we mentioned at the beginning of the conversation with Mariel, it's been 35 years since Superman 4. That was sort of the milestone. That was the driver for this legacy reunion. So that was pretty cool. I do wish I could share with you my conversation with Mark Pillow, Nuclear Man. It was actually pretty cool, but the sound didn't work. That was a horrible sound effect, but I made it myself. Anyway, I'm proud. Proud of me. All right, so let's move on to the Krypton baddies. Let's turn this over to Sarah Douglas. Let's turn this over to the amazing Sarah Douglas. All right, we are with Sarah Douglas. How are you? I am absolutely delightful. How are you? I am so good. I am so good. One of the big baddies from Superman and Superman 2. Not so much of the big, you know? Not so uh, much of the big. Not big, but like in terms of like powerful. That's all right. I'm just... Badass. I'm just, bad, that'll do. That'll bad, do nice. Badass. badass. Yeah. We like that. Or as I would say, badass, but it doesn't right. have the same ring to it, does it? Jack O'Halloran, big. Yeah. yeah. Oh, he's big. Yeah. He's big. Okay. He's a good guy. 
the uh, so what's your what's your like fondest memories of just being an evil baddie beating up on Superman? Um, the you know what there were there have been so many memories of it. It 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 came so naturally to me to be so mean because. It was a big, in the mornings, every morning it was a long haul to take my very long hair and put it into a short cropped wig. Uh, you know, the white makeup, the, everything stuck up, everything strapped down. It, it was, I used, by the time I got on the set, I felt mean. And the rest is history. It came very, very naturally. Um, I loved, I loved, I loved everything about it. We had the best time, but we are talking about 40 some odd years ago when anything was possible. So when they say to you, okay, Miss Douglas, we want you to stand on that windowsill and jump off and fly to the other side of the set, you did it. I didn't do any, I didn't work out. I wasn't trained to do anything. Um, I wasn't shown how to do anything. We just did it. Um, nowadays, of course, I'd be completely terrified of everything. But back then, it was all, it was all exciting and it was all new and they hadn't quite figured out how we should fly or how we did fly. I mean, obviously we were on wires, but there were days when we, we crashed into each other, and days where we were hanging up there and I wanted to go to the loo and you couldn't get down because you were up in the... You know, I, the whole thing was just exciting. Very exciting. How was the whole experience of filming both of the movies at the same time? Well, obviously... Um, for, for us, we really shot the percentage of uh, Superman 2 was shot at the beginning. Obviously, we did the scene with Brando. And again, you know, you're a 27-year-old actress, and of my era, to be working with Marlon Brando is the most overwhelmingly exciting thing you can imagine. I mean, I was just, well... Um, so we did that, and then they were really concentrating on, on 2, which is why we then had a break. A, a few months later, they realized... Uh, the powers that be that they hadn't got enough of, um, uh, of, of of Superman 1 in the can so they put us on hold uh, which I loved because I had what was called a pay or play contract and they said you come back in a couple of months and I I didn't come back in a couple of months uh, and I got paid for it see I love those sort of deals that's great I love those deals um, and then when we finally did come back we then continued and of course it was with a Sorry about the noises. No, you're good. Just hell of a noise. Um, when we finally came back, it was um, it was a different director. So that in itself was was quite a, a, a challenge and experience. But again, I you know I was 27. The world was my oyster. I was already doing very well in England, and I just took it in my stride as if it was the most normal thing in the world to be reshooting something as we did for a lot of the scenes uh, with a completely different director. So it was a great experience for me. Great experience. Loved it. Awesome. What's your uh, fondest memory of Christopher Reeve? I think really right at the very beginning, right within the first few days, uh, seeing Christopher, um, the first day he went to fly, lifting his arms up to fly, and then discovering that Superman sweats, perspires, <laughs> and we had to hold everything because he did, and then they no, and I remember the whole thing on the set. It's like, oh my goodness me. And so that held things up. So those are the little lovely moments that we remember. Uh, those crazy little moments. Yeah, no, he, he was um, he was so youthful and so keen. And, and we all were in the beginning. We got a little jaded by the end, uh, certainly of two. You know, we all had aches and pains and injuries and colds and chest infections and hanging on a wire upside down is... You know, it, it can be really tough, especially when you're a supervillain and you can't carry a, a, a tissue with you. Right, you know, no, so, yeah. No, yeah, 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 it's yeah. just not You fun. got a badass reputation to yeah, keep up. Yeah, yeah. exactly. So, uh, <laughs> no, it was, it, it, the memories are definitely of those early days, um, the very first days on the set, and seeing him and just thinking, because I had met him in real clothes, real time, and then suddenly he comes on the set as Superman and it's like, wow. Uh, he was... It is he, an amazing he, transformation. It really is. Uh, it's a brilliant transformation. Yes. It's brilliant. Cool. Well, you're brilliant, and thank you so much for oh, hanging out with me. thank you very much, and it's been lovely talking to you. Very let's talk about you now. Okay. What are your hobbies? My hobbies? What do you like to do? I, I like... <laughs> I, yeah. I tweet a lot. 
He tweets. I have a po- some hobby. I have yeah. a podcast. Okay, where is your podcast? It's called Classic Conversations. Okay, so I can listen to you on Classic Conversations. Yes, yeah, so you can listen to me talking to Jack. I've interviewed I don't Jack. Need, I've heard Jack's stories I know, I know, over and over again. I was just a name drop. It was yep. a name drop. <laughs> That's great. I will be. I will be sure and find you. Thank you so okay. much for talking to me. Oh, thank okay. you so much. And thank you. And that lovely. Oh, he's. You're a delight back there. He's good, right? He's sweet. Can, I, can I get a picture? Oh my, I should have named this episode. Can I get a picture? Sarah Douglas. Sarah was really cool. I got a picture with her too. I got a picture with everyone. It's really, they're all on my Instagram at Jeff DeWaskin Show. You got to check them out. If they're not up there when you're hearing this, they'll be up there soon. All right, next is Jack O'Halloran. It's a short conversation. It was, it was my opportunity to meet him in person. Episode 51, if you need more Jack, it's a long episode and tons of great stories there. But this is just me meeting Jack in person. Quick conversation. Enjoy. How are you? I'm doing the best I can, whatever to let me get away with. <laughs> I'm here with Jack O'Halloran again, so it's good to be here. How, is it exciting to be part of this whole Christopher Reeve oh, legacy yeah. reunion? I, I'm glad. The, you know, the, it's going to be a great show. Yeah, it's going to be a lot of fun. It's be a great show. They promoted it well. They got good people here. I think it'll be a lot of fun. Is it exciting to kind of see some of these folks that you haven't worked with in so long and kind of hang well, out with Sarah them? Sarah and I are pretty close, and, and Mark and I are pretty close. So, you, know, you stay, you have a relationship for over 40 years. It's kind sure, of sure. But do you, get, you guys get together a lot, or but this is a good opportunity Only, for that, right? Yeah, it's a great opportunity for that, yeah. But Sarah lives in London and lives in England, and I live in California. What's your, what's your favorite memory of working with Christopher? It was a film in period, you know, it was the film itself, you know, it was, uh, it was a great opportunity to take a character and do it the way I wanted to. Uh, working with Richard Donner was brilliant, you know, Donner was a great director. And Christopher was a, a naive kid, but there'll never be another person that'll do Superman Clark Kent like he did. And that attributed that to Donner. Donner got that, because he had never done anything before Superman. <laughs> Right, right, right. I don't know if you, how much you're aware of that. Yeah, this is his new... He was new. Well, he, he, the only thing he ever did was a soapbox, and, and, he, and he did a couple stage plays where he was in the background. So Superman was the first movie movie he ever did. Right, right, right. And Richard Donner got a performance out of him that was monstrous. You know, yeah, Donner did amazing. He was a great director for that what was, was the, what was the whole feeling on the set when Le- Richard Lester kind of came in? Well, Lester was it was like doing it was like going from a film director to a TV director. You know, Lester was they gave Lester the job because they owed him a movie, and they used all the dumbest excuses in the world not to bring Donner back. And and I blame Christopher for that. Christopher should have stood up because Gene Hackman didn't come back. I almost didn't go back. And Christopher would have stood up and said, "No Donner, no me." They would have had no choice. You understand? Yeah, oh yeah. So Hackman didn't, Hackman kind of bailed? Hackman didn't come back and Hackman never came back. When you see shots, there's shots of, of him from the back. It's a stunt guy. Really? Yeah, he didn't come back till four then. He didn't come back for, for Superman, for the electric. Right. But they had shot all of his important stuff. You know? Interesting, interesting. So, how is your book coming along? Very well, very well. We're getting ready to do a mini series, and I got two more books coming out, so it's going to be quite interesting. What's the mini series one on Family Legacy? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Very cool. So I'm looking forward to that. Are you going to be in it? I'm a producer. Producer? Yeah. Very cool. Yeah. Well, thank you for hanging out with me. A little bit too close to home. <laughs> I can't wait to see that. Have you ever read the book? Yeah, I have your book, and it's like enjoy it. Yeah, it's great. So it's a you have a fascinating story uh, beyond the acting and with your family. Yeah, amazing. Can I get a photo? Jack O'Halloran, everybody. All right, up next, Robert Venditti and Wilfredo Torres, writer and artist for Superman 78 comic book. That's a comic book series where they extend the original Superman 78 movie and create more stories. So the Superman in the comic is Christopher Reeve. It's pretty cool. Enjoy. Here with Robert Venditti and Wilfredo Torres. Where do you want me to stand? I don't know. This way. This is not my good side. 
All right, writer and artist for the Superman 78 series. How did this come about? It's a, this is the whole idea. Did it, was it? Did Batman 66 sort of inspire the idea that this should come out? You know, to kind of start re going to the OG stuff. You know? What yeah, I, mean? I, I don't know if I can say for certain. Um, you know, DC had done some things like Batman 66, Wonder Woman 77, I think it was. And so they had had some success with those. Um, I don't know what led them to want to do Batman 89 and Superman 78. Those are all kind of decisions that happen behind the scene. I just know that they reached out to me and wanted to know if I'd be interested in writing it. Sort of what would my concept be for a, a new story set in that film universe. And I was, you know, obviously very excited to do it because these are the films that I grew up with. And it's a version of Superman that really is my Superman. Uh, so I was on board with that from the beginning. Yeah, that was uh, when they reached out to me about working on it. Yeah, that's not the kind of thing you say no to. Or... It's so cool. So we're in the in the timeline. This the Superman seventy eight comic book take place in the world of Superman one sure. and two. It is a popular question. I don't know that it matters like concretely. We never say it. In my head canon, as I was writing it, it takes place after Superman two and before Superman three. But I don't know that you really need to pin it down in any way. It really is kind of its own self-contained story. So I don't know if you had a thought on when you thought it took place. I, I thought uh, two and three, yeah. especially because Gus Gorman has just moved to Metropolis. Sure. <laughs> so do you have to get anyone's permission? Gus Gorman fan. <laughs> <laughs> do you have to get permissions from estates and stuff to use likenesses? Or? I... I don't know, honestly. Like that's uh, all stuff that oh, you DC have, you does have, behind the scenes. So, what you do you, when you introduce new characters? How do you decide what they look like? Because like the other ones, right? They have, you know, Christopher Reeve is Superman. You know, Lois Lane, Margot Kidder, like Brainiac, you're yeah. right? Or Brainiac, yeah. you're right? or anybody uh, though, right? The, they kind of left that one up to me, um, and I just thought I, I was trying to figure out who would fit the best into the movie and who were contemporary actors at the time and um, I kept uh, bouncing back and forth between David Bowie and Rutger Hauer because I wanted him to have a kind of a, a, a quiet menace to him uh, but then you got to go with the rock god so it is heavily influenced I don't know that he's not a likeness, but he's heavily influenced by David Bowie. Got it, got it. So it, you can't just pick an actor from the time that might have been cast. Like, oh, that, well, here's a new character. That'll be John Ritter. You can't go, can't go that route, right? John Ritter. <laughs> Whatever. I'm trying to think of someone from back then. Maybe like a Mr. The guy's name I can't say. Like Robin Williams, obviously, is the. Yeah, the Robin Williams yeah, would have obviously been Mixie Spittlewick. Is there anything they tell you to avoid when writing this? Like things you can't cross into or. I don't remember DC uh, giving me specific things to steer clear of. You know, Andrew Marino, the editor on the book, is somebody that I've got a great relationship with. We've done a lot of books over the years. And so if there was something that I did in the script phase that, you know, I couldn't do for whatever reason, he would always tell me and I would address it in revisions. But I don't know that up front there were, there were any sort of, um, you know, things that I need to stay away from or anything like that. Okay, very good. And then of the six issues, is there any plans for any more? I would say to stay tuned. Stay tuned, stay tuned. And the final question is like, what's the, pr you write it and then you just interpret it? Is it like, is it like uh, Elton John, Bernie Toppin? You write it and then you just whatever, however you decide what? to interpret? <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. I mean, go ahead. You want to answer that? Um, <laughs> I, I, I don't know if you're going to get sensitive about this, no. but I kind of look at it as the difference between, say, a screenwriter and the director. So I get the page. I know what, what, my writer wants out of it, so I've just got to figure out the best way to tell the story that they've given me. Got it, got and it. And also got beyond it. that, you know, I think something that's super key, particularly for this story, is the acting and the emoting of the characters and really capturing who these particular versions of those characters are. Like, I can't do that in a, in with typed right. words, right? Right. Like, Wilfredo's talent is what's able to really bring across Christopher Reeve's acting performance as Clark Kent and right, Superman right. and all those kinds of things. So, um, I mean, you used a Bernie Toppin, Elton John, you know, uh, comparison. Like, just think about how 
huge Elton John is in that scenario. You know what I'm saying? So right, but uh, he just he just yeah. he writes the words and then yeah. you know then you know no Bernie writes the words and then just right. however they're yeah. interpreted, right? Yeah, Elton John's so. the most important piece of that. For, right. For, you know, I would say. Oh, so you're saying first, you're the most the important first, piece? No, <laughs> no I'm, just I'm the Bernie Taupin. <laughs> oh yeah, I'm kidding. I'm, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. <laughs> very cool. Very cool. Well, thank you so much for letting me hang out with you guys for a couple of minutes, and. Uh, Awesome. Thank you Thank for you. putting such great work into the world. Yep. Thank you. Cool. Can I get a picture? All right. Well, that wraps up all the interviews I did while at the Motor City Comic Con with the whole Christopher Reeve Legacy Reunion crew. Super fun. And now, as promised, I got more Clark Kent for you. Jeff East played young Clark Kent. He talks about his experiences on the Superman movie. Not 100% positive, but as you listen Later, there was a reconciliation, but I'm not going to give away all the details. You got to listen. All right, get ready for my conversation with Jeff East. I'm excited to introduce you to my next guest, writer, producer, actor. You loved him as a young Clark Kent in so many other roles. Mr. Jeffrey East, Jeff. Nice name. Good name. I know. us Jeff's. We got to stick together. It's, it's a dying name. You don't see a lot of kids these days named Jeff. No. Why? Why not? It's a very unique name. What's your middle name, Jeffrey? Lawrence. Mine's Franklin after Benjamin Franklin. <laughs> I'm Lawrence after it. Jeffrey Lawrence has a nice ring to it. <laughs> but Jeffrey Franklin, they both, both our names I, with the middle names, I think we sound very fancy. We're very fancy people. Very, uh, very fancy. <laughs> 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 so from one, one Jeff to another, you've had a pretty cool career. You kind of started off in the world of Disney. Actually, it was United Artists and Reader's Digest was the movie Tom Sawyer in 1972. They went across the United States looking for a Tom and a Huck. But they wanted to go with a real Tom Sawyer and a real Huck Finn. So Ross Brown and Frank Capra Jr. went across the U.S. looking for Huckleberry Finn and Tom Sawyer. And they went to all the cities across the U.S., and interviewed every single kid that they could get their hands on to come in and read for this movie. And my mom's best friend was an actress in Kansas City. And she said, oh, you've got to take a look at my next door neighbor's kid. He's 14. He's funnier now. He sings. He's got a band. He would be perfect for Tom Sawyer. So Robert Greenhut, the producer, flew in. And I get a call from her agent. She says, uh, Jeff, we want you to come down to meet with Robert Greenhut and blah, blah, blah. Can your mom drive you down to the audition? I said, yeah, sure. Why not? I, you know, I thought, well, I might get a small minor role, an extra role. I ended up going in. They take a Polaroid of me. They send it to the producers and the director. Two weeks later, I go down to Columbia, Missouri. I do another interview with the casting director. Then they fly me to Los Angeles for a screen test. Come back, get another screen test. I go back again. I'm 14 years old, flying back and forth. I end up testing with Jody Foster, Johnny Whitaker, and they cast me as Huck Finn. And I did Tom Sawyer, then I did Huck Finn, then I did four Disney films after that. I signed a contract with Disney, and I worked with them until 1976, and then I got Superman, and the rest is history. So they must have really liked you as Huckleberry Finn because you got your own movie right after that. You, you, you were the headliner. It's funny, too. I was the last contract player that Disney had because the studios had contract players for years. And Kurt Russell and myself were the last two of their group of people. And it was really hard breaking away from them because my agents wanted me to do other things. And I thought, well, God, I love Disney. I like working with Ron Miller and Roy Disney. They're great people and blah, blah. My agent kept saying, oh, but you need to do other things and blah, blah, blah. There's a bigger panorama, you know, there's a panorama of things that you can do. And I said, okay. So that's when Super, or actually The Hazing came along, a movie called The Hazing, Charlie Martin Smith. And Doug Curtis, the director, wanted me to play this role of this guy that was, you know, being hazed by his fraternity in the weirdest way. He was like crazy. He goes, we want Jeffy. So we want Jeffy. So read the script, low budget feature. Charlie Martin Smith and I are running around on our jock straps for half a movie. And boom, all of a sudden I get Superman because Donner had seen the editing of The Hazing saw me as a track star and blah, blah, blah. Carol Littleton, the editor, said, oh, you got to take a look at this kid, Jeff Easy, star of this film, The Hazing. And Donner went crazy. So he called me in to read for Superman. 
So when I get in there, I he didn't even want me to read. I said, wait a minute, what do you want me to do? And he goes, I just want you to read the script, go in the other room and come back after you're done. Well, that was 200 pages. God, it took me like two hours to read it. And I come back and there's Salkine, Ilya Salkine, Pierre Spangler, and Richard Donner. And Len Stallmaster holds up my resume picture, holds it next to Christopher Reeves. And Lynn goes, I think he's perfect. And Donner goes, you got a passport, kid? And I said, yeah. He goes, well, you're flying to London tomorrow. We're, we're going to give you the role. I said, the role of who? The role of the young Superman. I said, wait, wait, whoa, 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 whoa. I'm not, wearing a, I'm not wearing a cape. I'm not putting on that S outfit. I ain't doing any of that. He goes, oh, no, 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 no. We're going to treat you like you're a real Clark Kent. You're the real Clark Kent. You're the real man. I went, oh, okay. Next day, I get on an airplane, I fly to London, and I was on it for a year, shooting Superman. Christopher Reeve hated my guts. <laughs> wait, wait, let, let me wait, back up for one second. I want to get to all that, but hang on one second. So when Donner came to you, what was your concern about actually being Superman? I did not want to be Superman. I had the mindset as an actor that would be typecast. And my managers were always saying, you don't want to get typecast. You don't want people will never be able to think of you of anything else other than James Bond or Superman or whatever it is. I was trying to get away from Huck Finn. And so at that time in my career, I was going, oh, shit, how they want me to do this Superman movie. Well, when I read it, I thought, oh, it's not really Superman. It's Clark Kent. It's more the human side. And I thought, well, it's really well written. It's great stuff. I didn't even know who they were going to play as Pa Kent. I had no idea they were going to get Glenn Ford. Marlon Brando, wow, this would be fun. But I really didn't have any idea. And Chris was so upset that he wasn't able to play that role. He wanted to do the young Superman and Superman. He was so pissed off. And the day I got there, he made it very known to me that he wasn't happy I was there. And I thought, ooh, this is weird. And I dealt with a lot of weird actors and stupid crap in my career before this. And I'd already done seven films, and he's this is his first movie, and he's the star of it. And Gene Hackman's running around, who was a friend of mine, and all these people were friends of mine. I'd known him for years. And here's Christopher Reeve says, okay, I want you to have lunch with me, and we're going to play chess together. And I go, oh, chess. I said, I'm not a really good chess player, Chris. Better at poker. And he goes, no, I'm going to teach you how to play chess. I'll go, okay. We'll get to know each other. I said, oh, okay. So I get invited into his trailer every day. We have lunch. We sit in there and play chess. He beats me every fucking time. And I'm going, wow, this is an ego thing. So how is it you're going to take on this role? How is it you're going to do this and that? And what are your mannerisms? Have you thought about your mannerisms? Uh, no, I'm just going to remember my lines and show up for work. And Chris was really trying to get into the my soul and understand my what, what I was all about. And I was like, Chris, come on. I know you went to Juilliard. I know Kevin Klein was your roommate and, and, and Robin Williams was your roommate. I know all this. I said, just let me do my job. I won't disappoint you. Lo and behold, we get up. I get up into Canada. And he's not even there. And it's my deal. The whole thing is me and Gene Hackman. We're all up in, in Canada. And I'm doing all this. I completely forgot that Christopher Reeve was the star of the movie. And I'm doing all this stuff, working up in Canada. And everybody's going crazy. They love the stuff they see. And all of a sudden, I don't hear anything. I go back to Los Angeles, and this is in October. I'm supposed to go back to London to finish The Fortress of Solitudes. I fly in, and I find out Donner's been fired, and Richard Richard Lester is the director. So I'm introduced to Richard Lester, and I'm like, why am I being, what? What's going on? They're all like, you hear Donner got fired, blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, oh, God. Doing the final stuff with The Fortress of Solitude. And Lester's trying to direct me into how to throw the crystal and do this and that. I'm like, oh, he's definitely not a donner, let me tell you. And Chris was, he was cool. He was happy with what happened and what they saw in the stuff in Canada. And I'm like, great, I'm glad you like it. But I kept getting the feeling that there was some tension in the air. And I knew it wasn't about donner. I had a feeling it was about me. So I did my job. I finished the film and I left. And I flew to Paris, whatever. I hung out in Europe for a while. Went back to L.A. A year later, they have the premiere. I don't get invited. And I'm like, what? And I get a phone call from Mark McClure, who's in New York at the premiere, or in Washington, D.C., rather, at the premiere. And he calls me up, and I wakes me up, and I'm in bed. He goes, Jeff, you're not going to believe this. He goes, I just saw the movie last night. He goes, Chris dubbed your voice. What? Christopher Reeve overdubbed your voice. I'm like, oh, my God. Well, 
the ceiling fell out. The floor fell out. I thought I was going to have a heart attack. And I'm, you know, 22, 21 years old. And I'm like, oh, my God. So I call my agent. And my agent says, relax. We'll get to the bottom of it, blah, blah, blah. Well, they did it behind my back. They did it without asking me. They did it without telling me. They didn't even want me to loop it. They wanted him to loop it. And I go, why? Why? Did a testing in Dallas and blah, blah, blah. And they said, your voice was distinctly different than Christopher's. And they didn't want anything to interfere with the, the way the film was working. And it's really about Superman. And we got to have Christopher voice. It's very distinct, distinctive. And I'm like, but what are you talking about? I said, okay, my voice is a little deeper, but so what? They said, no, we want it to sound like it's Christopher Reeve. And I'm like, oh, this is criminal. So I had to go along with it and I had to be nice about it. And the AP starts calling me, the UPI starts calling me. They're like, hey, what's going on? Johnny Carson says something about it on the Johnny Carson. Who's this guy playing the young super? What the hell? They don't talk about him. They Nobody talks about him. They completely whitewashed my entire performance. Warner Brothers said, screw you. This is about Christopher Reeve, not Jeff East. And I go, okay, that's the game you want to play. I'll let it lie. All of a sudden, I get phone calls and all the people magazines and all the people want to talk to me because it was controversial. It was like weird. Even Robin Williams says something to me. I went to, I ended up going the premiere with Mark McClure in Los Angeles at the Chinese. I snuck in, I got into his limo and I went to the premiere with my girlfriend and the Warner Brothers people were like, what's he doing here? What's he doing here? It was weird. It was the weirdest thing that ever happened to me in my entire career. That is bizarre. I, you know, it's funny. I was, I was rewatching it and it's, it's not like you're, it's not like you're in the movie for two minutes where it's like you're young Clark Kent in some kind of quick flashback. I mean, you pretty much set the tone as yep. young Clark for the movie. And that's, I'm guessing that's why Christopher Reeve was so jealous of the part. I mean, because all the emotion comes off of your performance that he then kind of pivots off of and then takes over once he's, you know, older Superman and older Clark Kent. But yeah, so I can, it's, it was funny because uh, maybe you won't think it's funny, but like I <laughs> was watching the movie, I was rewatching it like just recently, but because I knew we were going to talk. And I was watching it and I was like, okay, you know, this is great. And then I, I was doing some research and I was like, Christopher Reeve dubbed the voice. And I'm like, I didn't even notice. And I went back and I'm like, how did I not notice? <laughs> it's like, that's all I could hear then. I was like, so I could, I could see where that would uh, be uh, irritating to you, Jeffrey. That would um, be upsetting. So did you ever kind of make amends with Christopher Reeve or is, did you kind of leave it? Well, I'll tell you what happened. After his accident, I get a phone call from his wife. And she says, Jeff, we would love to come to the Toronto Film Festival and help raise money for the Christopher Reeve Foundation. Chris would love to have you. And I'm like, oh, wow, I'm honored. So they flew me into Toronto. I go down to Niagara Falls. There's Chris with his wife and his kids. And we made amends with each other. And I said, Chris, I forgive you. And he goes, I'm really sorry that that happened to you. And blah, blah, blah. I understand. I said, Chris, no big deal. It didn't affect me that much. It wasn't like it ruined my career. Hell, I did 45 films later. So I, it didn't affect my career at all. In fact, it helped my career. But, you know, and I didn't want to be mad. At, and Chris just, I don't know, Chris was young. It was his first film. Even Gene Hackman got in a fight with him on the set. I mean, he just didn't get along with people. And he was just kind of an arrogant, kind of a, probably why he was, and he was great as Superman. Don't get me wrong. I loved him as Superman. Still to the day, I think he's the best Superman we've ever seen. He's definitely the quintessential. So it's, it was interesting because I was talking to Jack O'Halloran. He was talking about a little skirmish that he had, but he was also, he was, because I think of Christopher Reeve being young, he was mm -hmm. upset that he didn't stand up for Richard Donner when they decided to, uh, to fire him. That's Chris though. That's the, see, that's the rub. And I hate talking bad about the dead, but I'm going to tell you something. When I got to uh, London, in October of 77, I thought, this is weird. I don't like working with Richard Lester. I like Richard Lester. I liked his movies, but he's not the director of Superman. And it made me feel weird. And even Terrence Stamp and I were talking about it. And we were going, oh, this is really weird. It's a lot of tension. The Talkman's really mad. They were, at a, they were so mad at me because my agent kept asking for more money because they, they wouldn't put me on a contract for a whole year. They would do it month by month. And my agent was furious. And he's like, what are you doing this for? They kept saying, well, this is, a, this is the biggest film this guy's career and blah, blah, blah. And we're like, yeah, but he's got to get paid for it. Oh, the salt kinds were ruthless, ruthless, ruthless. And I love Ilya, but 
his father and, and Pierre Spangler, those guys, whoa, there were some bad bananas going on there. So Richard Donner was fired during the filming of Superman, not after Superman 4, Superman 2. This, that, the timeline of him being fired was during... They were shooting films at the same time. Right. A Superman, but 1 and 2 were being done at the same time because it saved them money because they had the sets. They had the Fortress of Solitude. They had the Washington sets. They had the New York sets. They had the Canadians. Everything was done simultaneously because it was cheaper for the locations that they had to shoot at. And the Salkinds were famous for that. They did Three Musketeers and Four Musketeers the same way. Shoot films simultaneously. Now, the Salkind law in, 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 in Los Angeles is a real law called the Salkind law with Screen Actors Guild. They said, you can't do that. You can't shoot one film and take the outage footage and make another movie with it without paying the actors again. But they tried to get away with, with Three Musketeers. They got caught. So when they were doing Superman, they said, you have to pay these actors accordingly that they're doing two movies. It's crazy. It changed filmmaking for a long time. It was a big deal. Donner had enough of one under his belt, to because that's, that's a directed by Richard Donner, but two was directed by uh, Richard. And Jeff, only a small portion of Superman 2 was shot by Lester. Very small portion. He had 6% of Superman 2 done. What kind of movie would it have been had Donner just taken over? Did you, did you have any sense of that or because you were just so entrenched with the first one? that Would have been uh, like the canon films or like Superman 3 or like Superman 4. It's just terrible. It, Donner was the reason that movie is a classic today. Not Richard Lester. Richard Donner is the reason. And I'll, I'll go to my grave saying that. Yeah, I, I have never heard anyone disagree with that sentiment. So I think you're in uh, good company with that one. For your uh, the scenes as young Clark Kent, what was it like working with Glenn Ford and Phyllis Thaxter? You had some uh, pretty solid uh, parents there. Well, I'll tell you, it's funny as because I worked a lot of good actors in Tom Sawyer and Huck Finn and all the Disney stuff I did. But it was the first time I ever worked with an actor that was so giving and so professional and so in tune with his character that I didn't even feel like I was. It wasn't even a job. It made me feel, brought me to another level. That's how Glenn Ford works. He's great. And Glenn, we did those takes. I think we did one take on each shot. We did a master. We did a two shot. We did close-ups. That was it. And it, it took maybe two hours to do that. That's how good he is. And Phyllis Thaxter is one of the most lovely actresses I ever worked with. I loved working with her. She was dynamite. And she was the producer's mother-in-law. Is weird. Guy Aubrey was married to Ilya Thorkart. One of the interesting things about the Superman movie is this is before CGI or CGI as we know it today. How did you go about outrunning the, uh, probably your track star background, outrunning that, that I, train? <laughs> I got in the movie business when I was 14, so I didn't really have much of a chance to be an athlete in school because they wouldn't let me. I was a football player. I was a safety and a defensive back. So I was fast and I, I had a hard time with the pole vault, but I was pretty fast and I was, I was mean. I like to tackle people. So I was already an athlete, and as I said, I, I was already on a contract to the studios at 14, and so I basically couldn't, I wasn't allowed to do much of anything except, you know, show up on the set and know my lines. And all it was is they put me on these wires, but they'd never done this before. And they got me out there, and we get out on an air, we're in an airfield in um, Alberta, private airfield, and they got this crane. And for two weeks, we're practicing how to run while you're lifted in the air but you have to look like you're actually touching the ground. That's a lot harder to do than you can imagine. Impossible almost, because you're swinging. And I go, well, you know what? I said, John Tucker, the special effects guy, let me touch the ground a little bit so that I get the feeling that I'm actually getting traction. They're all like, okay. So they do it slower and slower, and I'm touching the ground a little bit with my toes. And finally, it started to work, and I would be able to move my feet so that I actually felt like I was actually touching the ground. So I actually felt like I was running that fast out to the set to shoot it. And it took like a week because it was a tough, it was a very difficult stunt. And the cranes out there and the Peter McDonald, the camera operators out there, they got the wires hanging and they got the clouds in the background and they're all worried about this and that. And they're worried about the light and the train assistant directors telling the train to slow down or telling them to speed up or slow down or speed up. So we're doing it at a full bore speed, 45 miles per hour going 35 miles per hour down this road 
and I'm touching the grass and I can feel it and it's good. And Donner's going, it's great. It's great. Keep going. It's great. And I keep going. I keep running. I'm tearing every thigh muscle and every shin muscle I have. And I'm going, oh, God, they don't have no idea how much pain I'm in. I'm like, my manager's out there, and he's like, oh, God, I'm really worried about you. And I turn the corner. They swing me out of frame, and the train's going at about 35, 40 miles an hour. I swing right into the train. And thank God, Richard Hackman, Gene Hackman's brother, was our stunt coordinator guy. He grabs me before I swing in and get killed by the train. And I turn around, and Richard's got me, and he goes, man, I'm glad I was on the back of that rig. And I go, wow, that's scary. And I turn around and I see Donner and Salkine and everybody else walking away from the set real quick. And I'm like, what? It was like one moment of, I was like, these guys don't know what the hell's going on. They almost killed me. Holy cow. <laughs> well, thank God for small miracles, huh? I'm still here. <laughs> You're still here, yes. Sounds like you you knew uh, Gene Hackman, but who, who else did you kind of, uh, what other kind of stories do you have from the set? Any good Marlon Brando stories or anything like that? Trying to remember, like, when, when, who was in the scenes you would have been in versus maybe just shot around the same time that you would have seen. I got to friendly with Valerie Prine pretty well, a lot. And Larry Hickman, they would hang out in my trailer. Uh, they'd drink wine and drop acid and smoke pot. It was crazy. Those two are nuts. And we'd be sitting there talking. And I'm you know, a young guy, and I'm only 19 years old. And they're kidding me. They're going, oh, yeah, you're 19. You're really a 50-year-old man. I'm like, yeah, whatever. Then Hackman was always kidding me around, and Richard Hackman and I got to be good friends. It was fun. I had a good time, and that I worked with, I really got along with Terrence Stamp. Loved working with him, even though I wasn't in any scenes with him. He was always on the set with me because we were in a fortune to solid at the same time. And it, you know, it was great chumming with Jack O'Halloran, who's still a really good friend of mine. So it was cool. And Mark McClure and I had two bands together after we did Superman. Two of them. That's pretty cool. Where can people keep up with you on social media? Facebook, it's uh, Jeffrey East or Jeff East. You can see me on Facebook, Instagram. I'm on all the media sites. Thank you, Jeffrey, for hanging with me. Jeffrey East, ladies and gentlemen, interesting stories Jeff had from the set of Superman. It was nice to hear that he reconciled with Christopher Reeve later after Christopher's accident. Well, I hope you enjoyed all the Superman themed interviews i brought to you today this super man episode i enjoyed putting together very very much superman 78 was such a big deal when it came out the tagline was you will believe a man can fly and we did and we did all right well with the interviews over it can only mean one thing that's right it's time for a trending hashtag from the family of hashtags at hashtag roundup Follow hashtag Roundup on Twitter at hashtag Roundup. Download the free, always free, doesn't cost a penny app, hashtag Roundup app at the Google Play Store or iTunes App Store. Tweet along with us, and one day one of your tweets may show up on a future episode of Classic Conversations. Fame and fortune await you. All right, this week's hashtag, we're going back, back in time. That's right, all the way to 2018 with hashtag Deep. Thoughts from Superman, courtesy of Open Mike Rejects, a weekly game on hashtag Roundup. Superman must do a lot of thinking, flying around and while he's saving the world. Many deep thoughts in that head. So the internet got together and said, here, hashtag deep thoughts from Superman. We'll put them all in one place. Well, thank you, internet. Thank you, Twitter. Here are some hashtag deep thoughts from Superman. I could probably fly faster without this stupid cape. But he looks so good with the cape, though. I hate when I accidentally get in the Bill and Ted's phone booth and end up time traveling half naked. That is a movie crossover I would love to see. Superman meets Bill and Ted. These are just some of the hashtag deep thoughts from Superman. Here's another. Someone somewhere is baking chocolate chip cookies. Can you imagine the power to be able to smell chocolate chip cookies anytime you wanted? How amazing would that be? Another deep thought. I need a new career path. The newspaper business is dying. So true. He's going to end up going digital. Cryptocurrency. Just great. Now it's in the money too. Oh man. Kryptonite everywhere. And now in the cryptocurrency. Superman can't catch a break. More deep thoughts. I bet my cape is more flowing than Batman's. He's got to let it go. 
Batman's Batman. Superman is Superman. Do these glasses make me look fat? And our final deep thoughts from Superman tweet. Should I put faster than a speeding bullet on my Tinder profile? Oh, <laughs> oh boy. All right. Well, that is hashtag deep thoughts from Superman. All of those good folks are retweeted at Jeff Dwoskin show. Head over there, show them some love. Tweet your own. I'll show you some Twitter love. Do it up. Well, with the interviews over and the hashtag over, it can only mean one thing. Episode 137, the Motor City Comic Con extravaganza episode is coming to an end. Wow, I'd love to thank all my guests, Aaron Smolinski, Jack O'Halloran, Mark McClure, Mariel Hemingway, Sarah Douglas, Robert Venditti, Wilfredo Torres, and of course, Jeffrey East as well. All of them jam-packed into one super man episode. I also want to thank all of you for coming back week after week. It means the world to me, and I'll see you next time. Thanks so much for listening to this episode of Classic Conversations. If you like what you heard, don't be shy and give us a follow on your favorite podcast app. Also, why not go ahead and tell all your friends about the show? You strike us as the kind of person that people listen to. Thanks in advance for spreading the word, and we'll catch you next time on Classic Conversations. Classic Conversations.